Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. series last week and we are it was just a perfect transition into this series called uncommon and I love that Craig last week put so many things into place for the word that God had given me this week and the Lord is so kind and so faithful to us when we when we listen to his voice he responds so intimately Craig had no idea what I was preaching about, and I asked Craig not that long ago, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, to preach last week. So it's not like we had coordinated this, except for the coordination of the Holy Spirit, which is the best possible coordination possible. So I want to start today with a pop quiz, okay? I know a lot of you are in spring break, and you're like, nope. Not doing any quizzes, but this one's easy. Don't worry. I'm not going to grade you. I just want a show of hands for you to respond to these questions. Okay, if you relate to any of these questions, just raise your hand. You can put it back down. Number one, I sometimes have dreams that I think are from the Lord. I know at least one person who has dreams from the Lord. I have had at least one vision from the Lord. I am aware that God speaks to me. I feel like I am a very common person. I feel like I am an uncommon person. Okay, some of you raise your hand for both of them. <laughs> I, I, I agree. That was just funny. How many of you think, listen carefully, that God was way more talkative to his people in Bible times? Okay. Thank you for your honesty. So we're jumping into this series today called Uncommon, and the Lord has asked me to show you something very specific about the season that we are currently living in right now. And then he's given me a commission for those of you that are willing to step into what he's asking of us in this season. See, I'm sure most of you can probably sense it, but if you can't, let me just explain it. We are living in a very special time right now. If you can sense that, raise your hand. We are living in a Kairos season. See, when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, way back in Old Testament times, when they were getting ready to step into the promised land, they not only crossed over physically through the waters onto the other side, but they also crossed into a new season that God was going to do mighty things in and through them. They had come from a season he had done mighty things, and they were stepping into a season when he was going to do mighty things. See, kairos, the word kairos means time or season. But when the Bible uses it, it means something even more than just a certain time. In the book of Mark, the apostle Mark wrote this. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. I love that we just sang that. Heavens tearing open. What God is doing right now is literally the heavens tearing open, just like what happened when Jesus was baptized. A voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. God is saying the same thing over you right now. If you're tuning your voice to hear your ears to hear his voice, he's saying, you are my dearly beloved son and daughter whom I am so pleased with and you bring me great joy. The way that Craig explained that yesterday, the way that the father views you or last week, it seems like yesterday, was so, so beautiful. Like if you didn't in that moment feel the love of the father so intimately over you, 
It was so precious. Mark goes on to say, the spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and the angels took care of him. Some of you have been in a wilderness season, maybe for 40 days, maybe for 40 weeks, maybe for 40 years. You have felt like you have been in a wilderness season where it just feels like everything is coming against you. But later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. This is what Jesus said. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. See, when he says the time promised by God has come at last, Mark isn't talking about a time period on the calendar. He's talking about a time seen from the divine side. He's talking about a decisive time for God's action. So maybe you've been in the wilderness, but the time promised by God has come at last. These seasons that are listed, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of them, throughout scripture, and they're always recorded when God was doing something significant on earth through his people. There were Kairos moments. Kairos moments with so many people in the Old Testament and then so many in the New Testament when Jesus was on earth and during the formation of the church in Acts, and there have been Kairos moments since that time all the way up to now, and I believe that the moment we are in right now is a Kairos moment. I believe that because of what we see happening around us, because of words of knowledge that people that follow Jesus from all over the world have been given, we are in an appointed time, a decisive time for God's action. We are in a Kairos moment right now. I think all you have to do is look around and see that his spirit is pouring out in ways that we have only ever heard about. And it is my deepest desire that I experience all that is possible and that anyone else here who wants it also experiences that. This is why we aren't getting up here on Sunday mornings and giving you fluffy, feel-good messages. We are exhorting you not to miss the season that God has put us in. He assigned each one of you to be alive at this time on earth, right now, for a very specific purpose. We are exhorting you to repent and turn. If you want entertainment, go to the movies. We are not here to entertain you. We are here to teach you what the truth of God says and to recognize the season that he has called us all into and say, run towards that. So I want you to lean in this, into this today. I want you to lean into what I feel like the Father has specifically given me, words that he specifically gave me for all of us. I want you to lean in. I want you to listen. Last time I preached, I spoke about the prophet and the priest Samuel in his later years when God told him, stop mourning King Saul. Your time of mourning is done. Instead, I want you to go and anoint David, who will be Israel's next king. Today, I'm going to start with a story about Samuel again, but this time when he was a boy. So for a little bit of background, Samuel's mother, Hannah, desperately wanted children. And she had prayed, she would go to the tabernacle and she would pray. She would ask God to give her a child for many years. And when the Lord answered her prayers, she committed to give him back to the Lord to serve his temple. Kind of like what we're doing with child dedications, except you have to take your children home, okay? (laughs) We're not keeping them here. You are now the priests raising your children. So Samuel grew up from a very young age. It was right after he was weaned, so he was probably a toddler. He grew up 
in the temple serving the Lord by assisting Eli, who at that time was Israel's priest. And Eli, he had two sons. Eli's two sons should have gone on to follow him in the priesthood, but they were wicked and they defiled the Lord and his temple. So the Lord said, I have to find someone else. And this is where Samuel comes in. I'm reading from 1 Samuel 3. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Go back to bed. All the parents are like, yep, we can relate to that. (laughs) Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from him before. The Lord is going to give a message to some of you today, some of you who didn't raise your hand. When I asked, have you ever had a message from the Lord? Today, the Lord is going to impart on you a message because he's done it before and he will do it again. And today's the day you get that message. So the Lord called a third time and once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from the beginning to the end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Samuel what the Lord had said to him. No doubt. But Eli called to him, Samuel, my son. Here I am, Samuel replied. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything, and may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. That is a leader. That is a leader that wants God's truth and God's word more than he wants the approval of man. So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks is best. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. And all Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, knew that Samuel was confirmed as prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. So, There's so much in that short story, and we could really spend a lot of time learning from Samuel's response to the voice of the Lord, but that's not what we're going to focus on today. What we're going to focus on today, and what I feel like God has asked us to hear, is from this verse, 1 Samuel 3, 1. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. Someone read that underlined part back to me. Oh, it's not underlined. Now, in those days, that part. Somebody read that. Oh, my goodness. Stop it. Stop. 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 That sounds like you are all half asleep. And you're not getting what this verse is saying. Come on. Somebody, ready? Now, in those, there we go. 
Messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. Okay, let's go back to my questions at the beginning. Raise your hand and leave it up if you've had direct messages from the Lord, either through scripture, through a still small voice, or through a knowing. Raise your hand, leave it up. Okay, raise your hand if you've had a vision from the Lord or a dream that you knew was from the Lord. Now look around. Would you call that rare? Would you call that uncommon? No. We are not in the days when messages from the Lord, visions from the Lord, and dreams from the Lord are uncommon. We are living in days when God is pouring out his spirit upon his people through messages, through visions, and through dreams over us. Now listen to this. Stick with me, okay? In Joel 2, Joel was a prophet in the Old Testament. He gives us this incredible picture of what I believe was a Kairos moment and also a prophecy for way into the future for times we are now living in. And just to give you a little bit of history, because this stuff makes it really cool to me. This makes the Bible come to life. It's possible that the prophet Joel that we're just about to talk about and the prophet Elisha, who we've talked about a lot, lived around the same time. Isn't that cool? Joel was a prophet to the people of Judah, and Elisha was a prophet to the people of Israel. At that point, the nation of Israel had divided into two nations, Judah and Israel. So they were prophets at the same time, but to different groups of people. You know what else was happening at this time when Joel gave this prophecy? A man named Homer lived. Anybody read the Iliad and the Odyssey? Same time. Joel and Homer living, same time in history. Want to know what else happened at that time in history? The first ever recorded ancient Olympic Games took place. See, how crazy is that? Like, so often we think we look at the events of this and we're like, man, that was just like so isolated and it was just all, all by itself. No, no, no. There was a whole world that God had created that God was speaking to and through people in and just part of it was recorded in his, in his scripture. So this, this time in history for the people of Judah was that they had just come out of a very horrific time for their land both physically and spiritually and emotionally. They had gone through a lot. And so Joel is reminding the people that even they've been through this horrific time, God wasn't going to leave them there. He wasn't going to leave us. He is not going to leave you in the wilderness that you've been in. He is not going to leave his people under oppression that we have felt for the last several years. He's not going to do it. We're coming out of that. And I was going to cut some of this out, but as I read through this whole passage, the Lord said, leave it all in there because there's some things in there that you don't even know about that are for somebody out here. So we're going to go through it. I had to apologize to the media people because I always give them so much scripture that it takes them a long time to thank you, Peyton, for doing that for me. Okay, so remember, the people of Judah have just been through this devastating time. This is the message that God gives Joel to give to them. But there's also this, it's not too late. God's personal message, come back to me and really mean it. Come fasting and weeping, sorry for your sins. Change your life, not just your clothes. Come back to God, your God, and here's why. God is kind and merciful. He takes a deep breath, puts up with a lot, This most patient God, extravagant in love, always ready to cancel catastrophe. That's what he did on Friday with those storms here in our region. The prayers of God's people canceled the catastrophe that could have taken place. Who knows? Maybe he'll do it now. Maybe he'll turn around and show pity. Maybe when all said and done, there'll be blessings full and robust for your God. Blow the ram's horn trumpet in Zion. Declare a day of repentance, a holy fast day. Call a public meeting. Get everyone there. Consecrate the congregation. Make sure the elders come, but bring in the children too. 
even the nursing babies, even men and women on their honeymoon, interrupt them and get them there. <laughs> he was serious. Between sanctuary entrance and altar, let the priests, God's servants, weep tears of repentance. Let them intercede. Have mercy, God, on your people. Don't abandon your heritage to contempt. At that, God went into action to get his land back. He took pity on his people. God answered and spoke to his people. Look, listen, I'm sending a gift, grain and wine and olive oil. The fast is over. Eat your fill. I won't expose you any longer to contempt among the pagans. I'll head off the final enemy coming out of the north and dump them in a wasteland. Fear not, earth. Be glad and celebrate. God has done great things. And he goes on and on and on with all the things that the Lord is going to do to his people to restore them and to restore the land that they live in. But then he says this, and this is where the prophecy that I believe is for us today comes in. Remember, when God spoke to Samuel, we were told messages from the Lord are very rare and visions are uncommon. But Joel says, that's just the beginning. After that, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your old men will dream. Your young men will see visions. I'll even pour out my spirit on the servants, men and women both. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below. That's in Joel. That's in the Old Testament. That's B.C. And then fast forward hundreds of years later, Jesus has come to earth. He's gone back to the Father. And Peter and the apostles are waiting in the upper room for the gift that Jesus has promised that he would send them. And this happens. Acts 2. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, listen, they came on the run. When the Holy Spirit takes over, people will start running to the sound of what he's doing. Then when they heard one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were blown away. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on. And they kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother languages? They're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. Sometimes when there is a move of God, all the time when there is a move of God, there will be people that don't understand what is happening. You may not even understand what is happening, but what you do is trust that the Holy Spirit is moving and working and his ways are higher than our ways. And so we just go with it. Their heads were spinning, and they couldn't make out head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. You can imagine, like, what is going on? Can you imagine? What is happening right now? Others joked, they're drunk on cheap wine. That's when Peter stood up and, backed by the other 11, spoke out with bold urgency. Fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. These people aren't drunk, as some of you suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> he didn't live in 2020, apparently. <laughs> this is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions. Your old men dream dreams. When the time comes, when the Kairos moment comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. 
I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke, the sun turning black and the moon blood red before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous. Some of you are terrified of the day of the Lord because you think that it will be a day where judgment reigns and you are just smashed like an ant. That is not true for the people of Jesus, for the people of God. The day that the Lord comes back will be a tremendous, marvelous, incredible, wonderful day. Whoever calls out for help to me, God will be saved. So Joel prophesied what was happening in their day, in the days of the early church with the apostles before the gospel of Jesus had spread through the whole world. God was unleashing messages and dreams and visions and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like they had never seen before. Nothing like that had ever happened. This was all brand new. Jesus had come and changed everything, and that was a Kairos moment. But this prophecy is also about what God is doing in and through his people right now in this Kairos moment. See, we are even closer to the last days than Peter and the apostles were 2,000 years ago. That was 2,000 years ago. It says, in the last days. Like, we've got 2,000 years on them. I believe that all of that is a part of the last days. The days between Jesus left the earth and when he comes again, and we are in them right now. So we talk a lot here about the heart of David. I'm going to take a little bit of a turn, but don't worry, it all comes together. We talk a lot about the heart of David here and how Jesus is coming back for a people who have a heart like David's. David is described as a man after God's own heart. So God prepared in advance that the prophet Samuel, who listened to the voice of the Lord, would be the one willing to be obedient to the Lord's voice in a time when it was uncommon for the Lord to speak. And over and over and over again in his life, Samuel obeyed the voice of the Lord. He prepared in advance that Samuel would be the one to anoint David, who was a man who had the heart of God and a man that God would multiply his works of obedience through. See, before David was anointed king, the king of the nation was King Saul. King Saul. Chosen by God, anointed by Samuel, but because of Saul's disobedience, I want you to hear me So clearly, the blood of Jesus cleanses us, cleanses our sin, and cleanses, makes us white as snow, and puts the righteousness of Jesus on us. But it doesn't mean we get to disobey and not have consequences from it. Disobedience before Jesus is the same as disobedience after Jesus. It's just that the penalty for it isn't death. Because of Saul's disobedience, the Spirit of God left him and God chose someone else. We see this in Samuel 13 when Samuel rebukes King Saul because of his disobedience. He says this, and to be honest, when we're reading this story about King Saul, his disobedience didn't seem that big of a deal. He just didn't wait long enough for Samuel to get there to do the offering, and he just kept one king alive. Like, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. But that's how serious God takes us obeying his voice when he speaks. There are some things that he allows us to choose in, and we could go one way or the other way, and it wouldn't necessarily either way might not be disobedience. But when God speaks and he says, go this way, and we go that way, that's disobedience. So 1 Samuel 13, Samuel says this, How foolish, Samuel exclaimed, you have not kept the Lord, the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So Saul is removed, 
eventually, and David is anointed to be the next king of Israel. And I promise I'm going somewhere with this. It all connects. See, our God is a God of multiplication. What he's done once, he's going to do again, but he's going to multiply it. We see this over and over in scripture, that he is a God of multiplication. And we see it in the life of King Saul and King David. In 1 Samuel 18, it says, When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, Goliath, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made David, this made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with 10,000 and me only with 1,000? Next, they'll be making him their king. (laughs) Little did he know. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. See, God rejected Saul and chose David because of his heart condition. Highly doubt that David at this point had killed 10,000 soldiers. Saul probably had. He had been a warrior and led the people in battle for a long time. David was brand new to the battle scene. But what the people saw and what God saw was David's heart condition. What God did with David was multiply the works of his hands because of his heart condition. Saul had the same opportunities as David, but jealousy took hold of him. I really felt like the Lord wanted me to say today that for some people sitting here right now or listening to my voice on the podcast, jealousy has eaten you alive and kept you from the things that God wants to do in and through you, has kept you from stepping into your full anointing because all you're doing is looking to the right and the left and being jealous of what you see around you instead of seeing the call of God on you and walking in that. See, Saul could have been the man after God's own heart, but he chose to do things his way, not God's way. God will multiply what he's done before because that's part of his nature. That's who he is. But the question is, will we get to be a part of it? Like Samuel and David and Joel and Peter. Will we follow the examples of Samuel who ran to the voice of God even though he wasn't experienced with it? Listen, that excuse won't get you very far here. Well, I'm just not very experienced. Well, I don't, I don't know what to say. That's okay. Or will you be like David who trusted the Lord with all of his heart and soul and mind and body? Or you be like Joel who prophesied hope to his people, having no idea who Jesus was. He didn't have this. He didn't know Jesus was coming. But he prophesied what God told him and prophesied hope to his people, having no idea that he was also prophesying to people hundreds of years and then thousands of years later. Or like Peter, who had courageous faith to speak a message that was counter, counter-cultural to the people who were with him. They thought he was drunk. I believe that what God is already doing in this Kairos moment is just a tiny sliver of what he's about to unleash here in this church, in this city, in this country, and across the world. See, what he's done before, he'll do it again, and he'll multiply it. When we have the heart of David, he will do it. God multiplied the works of David's hands because of his heart condition. So what happened in Acts? In Acts 2, we read that and we're like, wow, 3,000 people came to know the Lord? Well, it's happening again and he's going to multiply it. 
God spoke to Samuel when it was uncommon for him to do so. And that led to incredible things for God's people through King David. God spoke to Joel about what was to come. And we see what happened at Pentecost. God spoke to Peter at Pentecost through his spirit being poured out that day. And incredible things took place. And the gospel of Jesus spread over the whole world. Just as a reminder, in the last days, in these days right now, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Girls aren't left out. And don't let anyone tell you they are. Your young men will see visions. Students are not left out. And do not let anyone tell you that they are. Your old men will dream dreams. For those of you that are older, you are not left out. The Lord still has a plan for you to use you in massive ways. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Those are these days, right now. It's happening. And the Lord is pouring out his spirit on his people, just like he did in Acts 2. But it is going to be in a multiplied way. It is his final push to call people to himself. Dreams and visions and words from the Lord are not uncommon in these days. They are happening all the time. And I don't want us to miss it because we're distracted or scared or complacent or silenced or think that people in the Bible had greater access than we did. Because we just learned that's not true. It's actually the opposite. God is reminding us that we are in a divine moment. We are in a kairos moment. And you can either watch it happen or you can join in. You can sit on the sidelines or sit in the stands. You can even sit in the stands cheering. But that doesn't mean you're in the game. Being in the stands cheering is not equal to playing in the game. Who gets the trophy at the end of the tournament? The people in the game get the trophy, not the people in the stands. So I am here today to implore you not to miss what God is doing. To go all in. To step out of the things that are holding you back from fully surrendering to the Lord and what he's doing. Lay down your pride. For some of you, your pride is the only thing that's keeping you from being fully obedient to the voice of the Lord because you're so worried about what someone who doesn't even care about you thinks. Step out of that grasp of fear of what other people think of you Get out of that gross place of jealousy. Stop thinking that the Lord won't use you because there's someone else more qualified. Stop living in sin. Just walk away from it. Leave it today. Leave it and walk away from it. Shut your mouth when the excuses that you always use rise up. Instead, speak out of faith. Even if you're terrified, even if you don't know if you've ever heard the voice of the Lord before, Shut down the excuses and speak in faith that God will do what he says he's going to do. For some of you today, today is the day that you find your boldness. And I know some of you are like, but I'm not bold. I could never say those things or be that courageous. Well, let me ask you this. We all have boldness in there somewhere. It's just... What causes your boldness to come out? Every single one of us has that thing that will cause us to speak up, that will cause us to be bold or defend something. And it's different for everybody, but I want you to ask yourself right now, what causes my boldness to come out? For some, it's when your kids get bullied. Man, mama bear rises up and you're like, I had no idea I had that in me. 
and all of a sudden you're bold. For others, it's when certain social issues take center stage and you find yourself just defending something. Just you're like, wow, that's not my personality, but I'm going to defend this. And your boldness rises up. For some of you, it's a sports team. You're real bold when you're cheering for your sports team. So ask yourself that question. When does my boldness come out? Does my boldness come out when it comes to the gospel of Jesus? Does my, God, does my boldness come out when it comes to my faith? Does my boldness come out when I talk to my friends who are going to hell because I've never shared that Jesus can save them and set them free? Or does my boldness sit back and wait for someone else to step up? Ask yourself that question today. Several weeks ago, some of my best friends and I went to hear the philosopher Jordan Peterson um, speak here in Peoria. And we were really looking forward to it. We got dressed up and went out to dinner and it was a good time. He actually had dinner at the table next to us, so that was cool. Phil and Kip fanboyed and went over. And, like, so nice to meet you. We love you. I'm like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's all good. So we went to this event. It was at the Civic Center in the theater, and we were way in the back. There were maybe like two rows behind us, and we were all sitting there in a line. And I am a public speaker, and so I know what it feels like to talk to an audience that's just like this. Like, it doesn't feel good. It is hard. Thankfully, you all are not like that. And I love you all so much because you chat back at me sometimes. You can do it more if you want. I would love that. But I, as a public speaker, when I go and listen to someone, I give feedback, okay? You can ask anybody preaching up here, can you hear my voice when I'm sitting on that front row? Yes, right? Because I'm affirming what they're saying. I am smiling and nodding and saying, yes, that is a good word. Yes, yes. You can hear my voice on the podcast a lot. <laughs> and so as Jordan is speaking, like he's just mic drop after mic drop after mic drop, just slaying it with truth. And I am like, Yes. Oh, that's so good. He was talking about parenting and marriage and freedom and just all these things that were so good. And there were a lot of other people also saying like, yes, and, and, and using their voices to, to acknowledge that what he was speaking was valuable. Well, about, I don't know, 20 minutes in, this very cowardly voice from behind me leans forward and says, could you tone it down a little bit? The extra commentary isn't helpful. It's a real good thing I have the Spirit of God living on the inside of me because that Heather spirit was about to go crazy on that punk child of a man. But instead, I just kept my cool and kept affirming the words that were being spoken. The funny thing is, you were one of them. You were one of them. None of the men with us heard it at all. They were like, they were just tuned into the message. But you know, we girls, we hear everything. And so uh, uh, they were like, afterwards, they were like, what? He said, what? And I know it was the grace of God that allowed you men not to hear it, because I'm pretty sure there would have been some his buddy did turn around and say dude that was really a, you were a jerk which I was like okay this is a little redeeming <laughs> also like you go to a Jordan Peterson event and you just think you're supposed to sit silently and be like hmm I mean we were responding too right. I, I was. it wasn't just me yeah. so clearly this guy had you know here's, here's what it was yeah. the enemy has tried so many times in my life to silence my voice through people, through their accusations, through self-doubt, through fear of man. 
And this was just one more kind of hilarious example of the enemy trying to be like, Heather, stop talking. But you know what? No. Because we live in a Kairos moment where our voices matter. Our boldness to proclaim the good news of Jesus, to stand up for truth, to call out sin when we see it, to offer hope and redemption when we see it matter. And my voice, for one, will not be silenced because someone else is uncomfortable. The enemy absolutely hates your bold voice. He hates it. It makes him cringe. But if he can convince us to be silent, he takes a victory lap. Now is the time, the Kairos moment for our voices to be bold for the gospel of Jesus. People are desperate for us. You guys, every single week there have been people coming in off the street into this building. And we get to be the voice of Jesus. We get to lead them to salvation and watch Jesus transform their lives. So we'll get to choose. We get to choose if we're going to be like Peter. And I love the way this translation says it. He says, when Peter stood up, backed by the other 11, he spoke out with bold urgency. God is looking for obedience like Samuel. He is looking for hearts like David. And he is looking for boldness like Peter. I felt the Lord give me this word earlier this week, and I, I start hearing it, and then I start typing, and when I went back and read it, I, I don't even remember typing all of this because the Spirit of God just downloaded it on me. And what this is is a commissioning for all of us. And so what I'm going to ask you to do right now is I'm going to ask you if you want to be a part of this commissioning, if you feel like God is tugging on you, saying, I want to step into that. I want to step into that Kairos moment. I want to step into the boldness that he has for me. I want you to stand on your feet as I read this over you. This is what I heard the Lord say to all of us. You are my people. I have placed you here for such a time as this. I have called you to myself. Some of you have chosen to turn from sin and run towards me. Some of you are choosing that right now. I have a plan to use you. I am looking for a people who will fix their eyes on me and tune their hearts to my heart. I will use those who step into the fray with me. I am searching the hearts of people to see who will be bold, who will leave behind their own agendas for my agenda. Now is the time. I will use all kinds of people, not just those who look that they are, like they are all put together or who speak eloquently. I will use those who feel broken, but whose hearts are turned towards me. I will use those who just chose me. I will use those who feel too common. I will use those whose bodies are broken. I will use those who feel unseen. I will use those who have followed me their whole lives. I will use students. I will use the mom who stays at home. I will use the salesman. I will use the athlete. I will use the hairstylist. I will use anyone whose heart is turned towards me. Don't worry if you aren't bold. I will put boldness in you. Don't worry if you feel weak. I work best in that. Don't worry if you don't know the right words. I will give you my words. Don't worry if they reject you. They rejected me and that didn't change a thing about me. The time is now. It is a special time on this earth. I want you to be a part of it. I want you in the fray. I don't want you on the sidelines watching it all happen. Run to the noise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, just like an ax. They ran to see what was happening. 
run towards what I am doing and watch me multiply my miracles and healings and restoration of those who've been lost but now will be found. I am doing it. I will do it. Come and join me in the fray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the outpouring of your spirit upon us. We thank you, God, that you have called us to such a time as this. That you have what you have done before, you are going to do again, but in a way that is multiplied. Father, right now, I release boldness over these people. I speak boldness and confidence over every single person here who wants it. Every single person here whose heart is tuned in and saying, Lord, do all that you have in mind with me. I am with you heart and soul. Holy Spirit, a fresh outpouring of oil over these people right now in the name of Jesus. A fresh outpouring of dreams and visions and messages from the Lord. Do it again, God. Like you did for your people so long ago, do it for us now. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And we don't have to look around to find superficial joy. We come into your presence and we experience the fullness of your joy. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts, God. Thank you that because of the blood of Jesus, we stand before you as righteous. We don't stand before you blemished. We stand before you as the righteousness of Jesus. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name.